Men, it's time to make friendship a priority in your life. It is time to get clarity on what a true spiritual friend is. And we are here to help you do just that. In this season of the Cross Training Ministries podcast, Joe Barnard and myself, Evan McGinty, are going to guide you to discover 10 marks of a spiritual friend. We're going to help you get on a path of spiritual growth with a band of brothers. Let's get started. All right, Joe, let's talk spiritual friendship once more. And I want to start today by approaching this topic, um, thinking through it through a lens of uh, a problem that I think the business world has done a good job addressing and tackling. But for some reason, when we approach friendships, we seem to be going the opposite way of the business world. So if you read any business books or guys that are leading teams, one thing that they'll tell you is that uh, you've got to watch out for gathering yes men around your life and in your boardroom. One thing you don't want in your boardroom is a, is a room full of people that are what they would call yes men, uh, because these guys are just going to agree with everything you say, and they're going to go along with everything you say. It makes you feel good, but ultimately your business may uh, you know, lead into a disastrous place, and they're not going to actually help you avoid those obstacles along the way. And so the business world has done a great job at addressing this problem head on. And there's guys that are out there even writing books about what they would call, you know, challenge networks, gathering people that are going to intentionally maybe challenge some of the things you say. Uh, but in the, in the friendship world, it's interesting. We're getting a lot of the opposite advice. Instead of saying you don't need yes men in your life, it seems to be that a lot of the chatter out there is, hey, what you need in your life is people that are just agreeing with who you are, how you are. Uh, how did we get here or, or what is it that you're seeing in, the, in, in, as far as all this talk goes about, Hey, you're fine the way you are. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that we pick up on what is a minor strand of, of culture, the, the way that the business world sees this as a problem, because more generally, uh, we live in you, what you might think of as a therapeutic kind of age, mm. uh, where, you know, the greatest evil is kind of negative emotions, um, where we really think that uh, fulfillment uh, comes from identifying who you are within yourself and being mm -hmm. able to actualize that, which means that whatever sets up a barrier to that self-fulfillment is somehow an evil. And so if somebody comes and if somebody's critical of me, and if that somehow stifles my ability to uh, speak, you know, the authentic voice within, that that is, uh, that that is you know, frustrating my existence, my purpose, my identity, all of these things. And so um, we may not even realize it, but if you just grow up in the 21st century, you're, you're taught that we just need to affirm mm. as much as possible all the time. And, you know, one of the, one of the ways you see this in, in church life is so-called accountability groups. I mean, yeah. um, you know, we label things accountability groups, but most of the time, you know, uh, what accountability groups, they're really affirmation groups. You know, you go in, and, um, you know, if, if it's a context of confession, maybe you are honest, but then everybody just somehow subtly affirms uh, rather than, you know, helps you move beyond whatever a struggle is. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the church hasn't caught on to what the business world sees, uh, which is a little bit bizarre because we know that self-delusion, like this is one of the fundamental effects of sin in our life. And so we've got to figure out how to not just have affirmation uh, but how to have real support and accountability. Yeah. Yeah. And it is sad because it, on the one hand, affirmation can be encouraging. Like there is a point of encouraging one another and there's something good about affirming 
one another. So I don't want to make affirmation be out an evil, but there has been what I think a, a shift in prioritizing affirmation and making that the, the be all end all when it comes to uh, c- keeping a close friend with you. Like, okay, who do I want to be the closest people in my life? Well, it's going to be those that are prioritizing, affirming who I am and what I want to do and where I'm headed. Uh, if anybody comes against that, well, then they probably don't need to be a close friend. And uh, and what we see is that it leads ultimately nowhere good. <laughs> You're not, especially in the church world, we're not headed towards Christ-likeness because uh, our bent isn't, you know, immediately headed that direction. So you get a lot of people that are, uh, you know, affirming perhaps the wrong direction in our lives. Uh, and we've, there's some people that even may stand against this. I know uh, you had mentioned a Jordan Peterson quote you heard uh, earlier that I, I thought was great, you know, just him attacking some of this and saying, you know, uh, yeah, what would you tell a 17 year old kid right now? Would you tell him, you know, you're, you're perfect the way you are, you're good the way you are. But what, what, uh, was his response to, to some of that? Yeah. He's, you know, I mean, the response was, of course not that you'd say you could be much better in 60 years. I hope, you know, you're somebody different, you know, this idea, yeah. if you're 17, you can't have life figured out. There's so much to grow into. And we all know this, um, whenever there is something objectively outside of us that exists that we want to pursue, we know we want critical feedback. Uh, I mean, you know, if you are serious about improving your career, you know, you look for a coach Hmm. who will be honest and tell you what you need to improve on, because you know that there's something real outside of you that you have to conform to where you have to grow, gain skill in order to achieve what you have, uh, you know, set out as your goals. The obvious example of sports is the same thing. I mean, there is a game, it's outside of me. I've got to conform to its patterns, its uh, skills. And I want somebody in my life who's going to make me into the best basketball player I can be. Um, And what we need to realize as Christians is it's no different. Like there is a real world of virtue, of vice, of, uh, you know, all of these things that are in the scripture. And we want people that'll actually say, this is how you grow into being a man in the real world, not Mm. just you know, that inner voice that you want to self-actualize. That's, that's the myth of our culture. Yeah. I think the problem we're struggling with as men today, some of it is just a lot of short-sightedness and a lot of, we can't see past today and where we're at today. And we can't see beyond our own vision of ourselves and our own vision of who we think we should be or can be and where we're headed. Uh, so I think that may introduce uh, part of the characteristic I think uh, a spiritual friend is. Because I think this is where guys do need a spiritual friend that are going to see beyond what they themselves are seeing in themselves. So uh, the characteristic, characteristic I want to point out is that you need a friend who is in a crow's nest. Uh, you need a friend that's in that crow's nest in a ship. Explain what that means a little bit, Joe. Okay, so... Uh... You know, picture one of these old ships. You've got the guy up in the crow's nest. You know, he's up on the mast. And uh, a couple of things are uh, visible to him that aren't visible to you. First, he can look forward. You know, he can see Hmm. further along the horizon than the guy standing on the deck can see. But he can also look down. He can see around the, the guy on the deck and see what's behind him, you know, to the left, to the right, in front of him. He's got a perspective on that guy's situation that the person on the deck uh, doesn't have himself. And I think it's worth... You know, going to back to what you say, you know, men struggle with two things. One is some struggle with a lack of vision. Mm-hmm. Some struggle, though, with a distorted vision. Hmm. Uh, both are equally problematic. So, you know, some guys are so stuck in the moment. You know, maybe their job 
is something that's demanding. It's 12 hours a day. It's physical labor. They never get the break to actually reflect and think about the bigger purpose. Um, so they just don't have vision. Yeah. And then you've got uh, other guys that, you know, maybe are so caught up with their career and their life planning. They've got all kinds of vision. What they can't see is it's all driven by their own pride and ego. And so, you know, it's not just a matter of having vision, it's having the right vision. And that's where you need somebody who, again, they can see uh, what's out there in front of you. They can look down at your life and they've got perspective that you don't have yourself. Yeah, that's huge. And some of this, uh, I think there's some old wisdom to be gained here when we start talking about friendships and this kind of friend, uh, because one thing we need to realize is that this, this topic of friendship isn't new. And the topic of thinking about a friend in a crow's nest who has vision beyond what you can see, uh, this isn't a new thought. I know, Joe, you you like to read old dead guys, right? Like all these dead. Yeah. <laughs> so so give me some of that wisdom. What are what are all these dead guys saying about friendship that may be helpful for us? Yeah. You know, I think it's worth guys uh, realizing that um, traditionally uh, philosophers, thinkers would talk about different types of friendship. And so we can go through these and we can give them mo modern analogies to what, what, what these old guys were talking about. So, for example, someone like Aristotle would talk about uh, friendship based on utility or usefulness. And if that sounds you know, somewhat abstract, just think friendship based on usefulness is, is like the colleague you have at work. Um, so you're on a team, you're trying to uh, collaborate on a project. Because of that project, you have interaction. However, if you ever lost that job, uh, or, you know, all those projects stop, you'd never speak to this other person ever again. It's all based <laughs> on you need them, they need you in order to get the project done. That's one type. Uh, a second type would be a friendship based on pleasure. And so, you know, here you're thinking there's some sort of activity that you both enjoy. Uh, two guys love playing golf. Uh, Saturday morning, they go out, they play golf, they have a great time, uh, maybe have a couple, or, a couple of beers in the club afterwards. But truth be told, if one of those guys stopped playing golf, they would never see each other again. It is yeah. as superficial as superficial can be. Um, you know, a third type of friendship would be a friendship based on some kind of affection. So, you know, you went to high school with some guys and uh, it's really fun. You meet up once a year, uh, you spend an afternoon, you reminisce. But honestly, besides the reminiscing, when that stops, like you can't even hold a conversation with each other. Like that's, <laughs> the, that's the essence of the friendship. Now, there's a fourth type, and this is what we're getting at today. And uh, that's what these old guys would call a friendship based on the good. And so here you've got two guys that see on the horizon some form of excellence, something that's surpassingly good. And so they've got a relationship that's built on trying to get as close to that horizon as they possibly can. And uh, it can be a number of things, but we can put that in our spiritual context and say, you know, this guy in the crow's nest, this is somebody who shares with you a passion to be made in the likeness of Christ. That's the horizon. Uh, you're both going to appear one day in the, before uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he wants you and you want him to put on as much of the character and the attitudes of Christ as possible. And so that brings you together in a way that's not just based on an activity, a work project, a memory, that you actually have something you're traveling toward together in life. That's a whole different type of friendship. And that's what we're thinking about today. Yeah. And that man, hearing you say that excites me so much. Like it really does excite me so much thinking about journeying along together with a friend and having that clear direction. And I, I hope it excites other guys to hear it uh, put that way as well, because it is different than what we see most of all. I mean, 
think about, I don't know, maybe even help guys think through their own friendships right now. Cause we can all look around, we have relationships with different guys and maybe we can identify within those four categories, but how rare is it to find that guy that you're journeying with? What are, I mean, how often are guys going to find one guy, one, one friend in one of these categories or the other? And how do you know when you're there? How do you know you, you've got that guy beside you and, and you're journeying along together? What are the, the markers you can look for or just the way you think? How does it change the way you think about yeah. the other guy? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, when we talk about friendship, we're often talking about, you know, we use that language of clicking, you know, do, do you mm. click with somebody? And uh, there's this sense that there's something that you connect uh, over. And, uh, you know, some of that translates into the, the, this friendship. But the, the difference that we're talking about is, uh, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you realize this guy loves Jesus. Mm, <laughs> or yeah. this guy, he's hungry to grow spiritually. Um, you know, there might be a whole lot in life that we're so different. You know, I like, you know, intellectual stuff. He likes athletic stuff. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer. You know, he's a construction. He's got a job on a construction site. Uh, and yet all of a sudden you just realize, no, but what's most fundamental is we both, we want to experience as much of God in our life as possible. And, you know, that creates the capacity to share stuff that's actually more intimate and more deep and more real than uh, anything else that you could build a friendship on. And that's why, um, you know, this is why we should think of marriage as a form of spiritual friendship, because I mean, the most intimate thing that a husband and wife could really share, honestly, it's not the bedroom, it's the relationship with God. Like that's the the deepest part of our existence. And so that's what we want to find guys that have that same passion and hunger for God that we have. And man, you find that, and now you can begin to really uh, walk together on this pilgrimage. Yeah, I think that's great. We need those guys who are, and I don't see how this happens without a guy that's up in the crow's nest for yeah. you. Uh, that's there. Not, yes, being in a crow's nest, part of that will be affirmation. Hey, you're headed towards Christ's likeness. I see it. You're, you keep on this yeah. track. You know, you need to keep doing what you're doing. Part of that, though, is having a guy up there that's rebuking at times. Say, hey, wait a second. Hold on. What, what you're practicing right now you're not headed in the direction we want to go. This is not part of our journey. We got to get, get out of there. I've seen a lot of uh, what I would call just um, nominal uh, friends in these crow's nests. You know, they're, uh, maybe you say, it's, whether it's in small group or church, you say, yeah, I've got somebody that's doing that for me. I got somebody that's up in that crow's nest. But really, you have what is a yes man up there for you. I, it reminds me of the story of... Um, a guy, Frederick Fleet. I don't know if you know the name Frederick Fleet. Okay. I don't. This is a guy. This was the guy who was in the crow's nest when the Titanic sunk. This is the guy who was up there. But honestly, he was just, he, he, he was not given the proper access to do his job. So what had happened in Frederick's life is he was told to go up there with another guy in the crow's nest and keep a lookout for an iceberg. He did see one, and but he, he saw it a little too late. He notified the deck. They didn't do, you know, everybody knows a little bit of the story of the Titanic. They didn't, they weren't able to change uh, direction quick enough. But what Frederick told the courts as he went in, because he did survive, he had to go to court in both America and in uh, Europe. And he said, you know what? I was not given the binoculars. They, the captain locked up the binoculars. He did not give me what I needed to do my job. And the, the, so he really never had the access to look ahead and to see the icebergs. And he said, it, 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 it was too late. By the time I saw it, it was too late because I wasn't given the binoculars. I was just up there to say that there was, a, there was someone up there. I wasn't up there to actually do my job. And uh, so it was too late by the time the iceberg came. And, um, and we've got these people in our lives, I think, 
where we say, you know, yeah, I've got people like that, but we haven't actually given them the access and the tools that they need to warn us of the things that are ahead. We, we don't want to hear that there's icebergs ahead a lot of times in our lives. So we are rejecting that message when it comes back to us. And we're saying, no, 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 it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so some of this is just being honest with ourselves and saying, uh, am I really prepared for the message that's going to be delivered if I have somebody in that crow's nest? Am I prepared to hear what they have to say? And that can be a hard issue for, for some guys to face. And uh, some of this comes down to just practically talking, um, being able to ask one another, what are our regular practices in our lives and where are they going to take us? So we were all, you know, I like the language that John uses in, in 1 John chapter 3. He talks about practicing righteousness, practicing sinning. And, uh, you know, if, if you start to talk to your friends in such a way like that, man, what are you practicing right now that's going to get you better? If you continue down this direction, where are you headed? And we need friends that are asking us that. And we need to ask our friends that, hey, where, where am I headed right now? Where, if you see my life played out over 10 years with the current way I'm living, am I headed towards Christ-likeness or, or are we headed that direction? And, uh, and we don't need these people that we just said, oh, yeah, I've sent somebody up in my crow's nest and they're, they're just going to continue to tell me I'm OK. And, yeah, you're, you're headed in a fine enough direction. It's, you're close enough, right? There's not, is, that's, that shouldn't be a thing in our lives. When I think that touches upon why, you know, we're seeing week after week with this, that this isn't an accessory to the Christian life. This isn't, okay, you now want to be a super Christian. Uh, the key next step is a friend. We're talking about the, the, the basic needs of Christians. And, you know, as you think of that guy in the crow's nest who can look, one thing he can see that, that you very well can't see is your shadow. Um, you know, often your yeah. shadow's behind you. It's a spot that, that you can't, even look at it if you want to. Uh, and so, you know, we're talking about like avoiding practicing evil. It would be one thing if we were able to see the sin in our life and be able to then just, you know, invite somebody to see what we're seeing. The whole idea is that actually this person's going to see things that aren't even accessible to you. And so the stuff that's obvious very well is not going to be the things that you're most endangered by. It's going to be the thing that's just not even in your field of vision. That's going to be the big threat to your marriage, you know, to, yes. you know, your own personal life. And uh, that's where you need that guy. And again, he can look down, he can see what's coming up the stairs, you know, from the bottom of the ship that you don't have a clue about and uh, give you a warning, a timely warning about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thinking again about this uh, affirmation piece and just what the Bible even says about friendship in this sense, I think about Proverbs 27, 9, how it talks about just the sweetness of a friend that uh, comes from his earnest counsel. And just thinking about, man, I, in my own life, Joe, I would take the wise counsel of a friend over their affirmation any day. I just uh, ultimately in my life is having a friend who is up in that crow's nest, who has that vision that I don't see, who sees my blind spot, giving me wise and earnest counsel. Man, I'll take that any day over just affirming who I am and what I think and, and all the, you know, yes, man type of things. And, uh, and we've got to get to that place as guys were saying, am I seeking the wise counsel of that friend in, in the crow's nest? Is that something I want in my life? Uh, and am, have I chosen some of those guys out of my friendships that are there? Yeah. Which means, uh, I mean, this does get, to that question of wisdom. Um, and so part of, you know, guys, as you're looking for these type friends, uh, doesn't have to be a total guru. <laughs> uh, 
you know, but, but nonetheless, there is a degree of wisdom that you're looking at in these kinds of friends. And I think, you know, to go back to something we were talking about, you know, a little bit earlier, you know, a, a friend who can see something in you, not just the evil, but the good that you can't see in yourself. And oh, that's, that's great. Yes. That this friend has. And so, I mean, if you think of any kind of epic story, you've always at the start, you've got, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, character who certainly wouldn't cast himself in the hero role. And then somebody comes along and, you know, pulls them a direction they wouldn't think to go. You know, they see something in that character. And, you know, without casting ourselves in some sort of, you know, heroic role, we do want that person that says, hey, look, you know, you don't see your real potential. It's actually not to be the best salesperson in your company. You're capable of more than that. You know, uh, you're capable of becoming a man of Christian character mm. who knows the word of God, you know, who lives a life of prayer, who isn't ashamed of sharing the gospel with other Christians, you know, who's able to parent his kids in a countercultural way, um, you know, who sees that and begins to be able to pull it out and push you a direction that you may resist, but that's where your greatest uh, good is ultimately going to come. And so it's, yeah, that, that friend who can see the negative, also those see the potential and the gifting God's given you. Yeah, I've got, if guys are looking for a practical way to implement this with your friends this week, uh, I've got a friend who has modeled this very well for me. And here's what he does. He says, he finishes this sentence, what I see in you is, and then he finishes that sentence for me. And there's been so many times in my life as I've struggled with vision and direction, and am I doing the right thing? Where am I going? Do I really have anything to offer or, or you know, getting stuck in myself? Uh he, I find him often saying, Evan, what I see in you is, and what it is, is these positive things that he's seeing saying, wait, 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 don't overlook. There's some great, there's some greatness here that can be pointed towards Christ likeness that I want to point out to you that you're not seeing. There's things you're overlooking in your life. And, uh, and he's trying to draw that out of me. And I think, uh, having a friend that's willing to sit there across the table and say, Hey, what I see in you are these things. And let me draw those out of you. Let me set you up. Uh, for being able to pursue those more, uh, those kind of friendships, man, those are those are valuable. That's uh, that's the kind of friend you want to journey with for sure. Uh, I think too, just of uh, a question I like to often ask my friends, um, just to think about the practical day to day to this. How do we do this in the day to day with our friends? Um, I, I like to ask if every day we're just like today, considering your your just thinking about your habits and your routines. Think about what you did today, your spiritual habits, how much you read the Bible, memorized scripture, prayed, you know, the things you did with your kids. Think about all that, all that at the end of the day, think about it. If every day were just like today and how it ended, what would my life look like five years from now, 10 years from now? If my spiritual habits were the same for the next five years as they were today, where's my life headed? And I think being able to talk about that openly as friends helps us to realize really one of the small things we need as we journey with one another is we need to pick up some, some small, simple routines and habits that along the way will make a lifelong change in us. And saying, hey, you know what? One of the things I can see in myself, if I continued my prayer habit the way it is today, like at the end of the day, I look back and say, man, if I prayed today, every day for the next five, five years, man, I, I don't know. My prayer life would not be that great. So identifying that, confessing it and saying, you know what? I want to start making some small changes. So having those friends you can talk like that with and say, hey, what would your life look like? What would my life look like? How do we help one another identify the simple routines, these small you know, bodily discipline issues that we need to face to move forward? 
And uh, that's part of what we as cross training want to point the guys towards. We are really hungry to help guys see, hey, there's a different way forward in this. There is a way that you can talk, tackle not just, just discipleship as one book, but as a whole life approach of taking, getting rid of some bad habits, implementing some new good habits, and doing that together as friends. Don't do it alone. And it's, there's more power together done within spiritual friendship. Uh, so we hope that we're pointing you guys uh, in that direction. We've got uh, programs like CT12 that I think will help you in pursuing that. If you don't have a structure for that in your life right now, sometimes all you need is just a simple structure to get you started. And that's what we've done with CT12. So if you uh, aren't currently meeting with a group of friends that are spiritual friends like we're talking about, uh, man, email me, Evan, at cross, uh, Xtraining ministries.com uh, or go to our website, xtrainingministries.com, and we'll connect you with some great resources there to give you that structure that you need to start implementing those simple habits along the way. Uh, but we'll talk to y'all next week about more spiritual friendship. Thank you for taking time to listen into this conversation. I hope that we have provided some clarity for what a spiritual friendship can be. But now it's your turn. If you don't have a friend who is up in that crow's nest for you, now is the time to find one. Also, if you have a group of friends and you're looking for ways to challenge one another to grow spiritually, please visit our website, xtrainingministries.com. The link is in the show notes. We're working hard to carve out a pathway for groups of men to train in spiritual fitness. We would love to have you and your friends join in with us. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. And next week, you'll hear Joe and I talk about yet another mark, the spiritual friend.